Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth about sin. The Bible says we are in sin and we are dead in trespasses and sins. And so often we hear today, we're not sinners, we're just dysfunctional. It's not your fault, it's your father's fault. And everybody's jumping on the wagon. And what it's producing, it's producing carnality in a greater measure in the Church of Jesus Christ because no one is confronting their sin. All they're doing is skirting around it. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. What is sin? Unfortunately, in our day and age, tolerance has taken the place of reason. Well, Pastor Xavier says that may be true in the world, but for the Christian, the standard is the Word of God, not popular opinion. Today, he takes us back to the Gospel of Matthew as he shares the importance of true commitment. Matthew chapter 14, verses 1 through 12. I've entitled the message, Give Me the Head of John. Such is the story of John the Baptist here who was beheaded because he dared to speak out against Herod's unlawful marriage to Herodias. We want to first look at Herod the lustful man. He was married to the daughter of Eretus, the Nabataean king. You get a reference of him in 2 Corinthians 11.32 when Paul is saying that he was up in Damascus preaching and the king Eretus was after his head for preaching Christ, and they had to let him down over the wall in a basket through a window. That was her daddy. He was a bad dude. He had married her, but all of a sudden he took a visit over to Rome to visit his brother Philip, and he seduced his wife, Philip's wife, and then persuaded her to divorce him, come back, and marry him. He married Herodias and was living in an adulterous relationship and an incestuous relationship because they were in the same family. Herodias was the daughter of Aristobulus, the half-brother of Antipas, Herod here, who was married to her uncle Philip. So she divorced her uncle to marry his half-brother. Is it that much different today? It's a sick world we live in. We have songs. Something that feels so good, how can it be so wrong? <laughs> Try it, you'll like it. Different strokes for different folks. Nifty little sayings that we think do not affect our way of life, but they do. This is where we're going if the Lord should tarry. It's not a pretty sight. Where are you going to fit in? Are you going to follow the crown? Or are you going to make a stand for Jesus? Are you going to be like this man, Herod, who was driven by lust? And please understand, lust does not only have to do with sex. It can be a strong desire for anything. Are you mastered by your desires? Are you driven by compulsion? Are you ensnared by outward things so that you are not a free moral agent. If you have to do or have something, then you are not free. You're a slave. 
Next we have John the righteous man, verses 3 through 5. Notice first he was born after the announcement by Gabriel, the archangel, to Zacharias' father in Luke 1. That's the background. Remember, he was to be coming in the power and the spirit of Elijah, Gabriel said. He was to, in fact, fulfill the partial fulfillment of Malachi of Elijah, but he was also supposed to prepare the way of the Lord, the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. Now, John the Baptist was cast into prison by Herod for speaking out against the marriage of Herod to Herodias, verses 3 and 4. This really marked the beginning of the ministry of Jesus. Remember in Matthew chapter 4, verse 12, it says that um, John the Baptist was cast into prison and Jesus left Nazareth. He went to Capernaum and he began to preach, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. This was a, a very important mark where John the Baptist is removed and Jesus Christ ushers in his ministry full time. Very key. He was the one, the precursor, the one to herald, the Lamb of God. He is in prison. Jesus takes his ministry up. And he began to proclaim the very same message that John did. Repent. The message has never changed. The Bible says we are in sin and we are dead in trespasses and sins. And so often we hear today, we're not sinners, we're just dysfunctional. <laughs> it's not your fault, it's your mother's fault, your father's fault. And what it's producing, it's producing carnality in a greater measure in the church of Jesus Christ because no one is confronting their sin. All they're doing is skirting around it. We're trying to make God one with sin, our sin. Instead of confessing it, abandoning it, and walking with Jesus and the power of the Spirit being transformed from day to day. Two contrary messages that are going on today in the Church of Jesus Christ. In verse 5 it says that John was a very popular prophet. And though he wanted to put him to death, he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. He was the first since 400 years. Malachi was the last Old Testament prophet. John had broken the silence of 400 years. You better believe he was popular. Because all of a sudden, the people of Israel are hearing the voice of God once again. Have you gone through a long period of time when you hadn't discerned the voice of God? What was your response when you opened the word or went to prayer and all of a sudden you know that you know that God spoke to you? Wasn't it exciting? But sometimes God allows us to be with ourselves that we might even appreciate him more. And God now had broken the silence through John the Baptist and the people were just excited. They were all coming out to the Jordan being baptized. They were Man in faith being baptized of the remission of sins. They were looking towards the Messiah and they were excited. Herod feared John, not only the people, because he knew John was a righteous man. Luke 6.20 tells us. 
Everything that Herod was doing was in spite of the truth that he knew. Now stop and think about that. The things that we were involved before we came to Christ, we knew right and wrong and we still were involved in them. See, conscience is not sufficient. Knowing right from wrong is not sufficient. What is necessary is the Word of God and the Spirit of God and a born-again experience so that God is the master and the controller of your life and you can bow your knee. Knowing right from wrong is not enough. You need the power and the ability to fulfill that which you know to be right. Therefore, you have to look outside of yourself. That's why Paul says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Praise be to the Lord Jesus Christ. You look to yourself, you're going to be in trouble. That's another message we're hearing today. No wonder we're sick. We're looking to ourselves. No wonder we're powerless. Another phrase, I say you have to love yourself before you love others. It's biblical. What is it? My Bible tells me that I love myself too much and I'm to love others as I love myself. That's what my Bible teaches me. If you first love yourself, you'll never get to others. You understand me? <laughs> you'll get so hung up on yourself. Narcissism. You go to the pool, you go to get a drink, you see your mug there, you get so enamored with it, you never go nowhere. <laughs> you fall in love with yourself. No room for anybody else. He knew he was a righteous man. You remember that in Matthew chapter 11, verse 1 through 15, when John the Baptist was in prison, he sent some of his disciples to Jesus and says, Are you the one or do we look for another? And Jesus, knowing the heart of man, knowing that they, the disciples of John, might be misunderstood and the people start doubting John or getting down on John, Jesus exalts and honors John to the greatest of the Old Testament prophets. And he could read their hearts saying, well, John is doubting. But Jesus says, what did you go out to see? A reed shaken in the wind? Not John. He was no wimp. He stood up to the face of Herod and says, you're wrong. You should not be married to Herodias. He was courageous. He wasn't a reed shaken in the wind. John was quite a man. Jesus says, I say to you that there has not arisen one greater than John the Baptist. He says, all did prophesy until John the Baptist. John closed the Old Testament canon. John is the greatest of the Old Testament prophets. But then Jesus turns around and says, but the least of you in the kingdom of God, the New Testament, is greater than John the Baptist. Is that amazing? Why? Because you and I have come into the position of sons and daughters of God by the virtue of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus defends and honors John, a righteous man. What a contrast between Herod, Antipas, and John. And yet Herod loved to hear John, Mark tells us. He would go off into the prison, Marcaeus, there down by the Dead Sea, and he would listen to him. He loved to listen to him. But he was a man with a split heart. 
divided. He loved his sin more than he loved God. He loved his own life more than he loved God's life. It was a struggle for him. But then we have Herodias, the wicked woman. When a woman goes bad, it's bad news. And I, I, I don't say that sarcastically or anything. But if you look historically, and if you look at the history of man in different cases, the woman has such a canny ability. She can be such a blessing. She's, I mean, she's just unique in the way God has made her. I mean, she can just bring the best out in a man, or she can bring out the worst out in a man. And that's not to say that a man can't do the same. He can't. But a woman is so unique. I mean, you ever see some of these guys, they're big old guys and everything, and a woman can just turn them. You say, oh, that guy's tough, and all of a sudden you, you see him, and this, this woman just runs him. Yeah, yeah, honey, here I come, here I come. I mean, you know, it's incredible. Herodias was quite a woman. Notice in verse 6, she was a vindictive woman and one who even used her daughter to achieve her end, exploiting her immorally before all. But when Herod's birthday was celebrated, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod. Salome was probably only about 16 to 17 years of age. Such dancing was real suggestive and lewd and was purposely done to entice and stimulate the male audience that they, in fact, afterwards could engage in sexual activity. Here's a woman who has a daughter and she is so violent, so wicked that she has no respect for her daughter, but in fact makes her daughter an extension of herself to achieve her own ends. She saw the opportunity or the opportune time at Herod's birthday when his lust overwhelmed him. And if anybody knew about Herod's lust, Herodias did. She knew his weakness. She says, I know his mind, what he's going to be thinking, and I know the very words he's going to say. Because when Herod gets carried away with his lust, he makes some dumb promises. Because he was overcome by his lust. As you examine your decision to be involved sexually before marriage, or during marriage with somebody else. Looking at it from the standpoint apart from it, you might say, oh no, that's wrong, I would never do that. But when you're in the midst of it, if you haven't committed yourself to a life of purity, once you're in the midst, it's too late. Do you know why so many young ladies lose their virtue? Because they haven't made the decision and the commitment before they went out on a date. They've waited while they're in the date to make the decision. Then it's too late. 
Once you get the engine rolling, it's hard to turn it off, isn't it? You've got to make that commitment before you go out. Young girls, you better make sure you know the man you're going out with. Make sure that he's a Christian. You've seen his walk. Be wise. Sometimes women lose their virtue because they just don't use common sense. Herodias was an opportunist. She had a grudge against John. She wanted to kill him, but she could not for Herod fear John, Mark 6, 19 and 20 says. So maybe even Herod put him in jail even to protect him from Herodias. Something to think about. Herodias knew Herod's pride, his lust, and therefore she knew that if he made a vow, he would not go back on it because of his pride. Look at verse 7. Therefore he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask, up to half of his kingdom. And then in verse 9, he says, And the king was sorry. Nevertheless, because of the oaths and because of those who sat with him at the table, pride, he commanded it to be given to her. Are you such a person that once you've made a commitment or a vow, even though you reflect upon it and you know it's wrong, because of your pride, you hang on to it? Or you do something foolish and you offend somebody and once it's done, you're so proudful, you can't say, you know, man, I blew it, I'm sorry, can you forgive me? Rather than saying you're sorry, you just kind of screw around next time you see, oh, how's it going? Oh, good, good, how you doing? You know, and you just kind of carry on. You don't say you're sorry. Pride. Not wanting to abase myself. Notice in verse 8 that Herodias prompted Salome to ask for John's head. So she, having been prompted by her mother, said, Give me John the Baptist's head here on a platter. The word prompted means to force forward or to instigate. Maybe there was even a bit of reluctance on this young girl's heart. But let's give her the benefit of the doubt. Her mother prompted her, forced her, instigated her. She used and manipulated her as Herod. The woman was quite subtle. Later on, she prompted Herod, Antipas, to seek the title of king in Rome by Caligua. Because when Philip died, he gave his province over to Agrippa, Herod Agrippa. And when he gave the province to Herod Agrippa, he also gave him the title of king. And Herodias told Antipas, hey, you go up to Caligua, you ask him for the title of king because I want to be queen. He said, no, 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 no. She prompted him. He finally was going to go. Herod Agrippa stalled him, sent an envoy to Rome, told Caligua that he was trying to rebel against Rome. When he got there, they busted him. Now, it was a lie, but they hung him. So they grabbed him and they exiled him to Gaul. Why? The woman. No, no, he wasn't innocent, but the woman. What is interesting is that since she was a half-sister of Agrippa, he told her that she didn't have to go with him, but she went with him. She says, I'm his wife. So that was amazing. But notice one thing leads to another. 
She got her desire. What did she get? Verse 10 through 12, she got the head of John the Baptist. What is your desire for life? What are you shooting for? Are you shooting for somebody's head? Or is there someone that you hate, you begrudge, and you're just waiting for the right opportunity, and it just might be at someone's birthday? Let it go. If you don't, and you persist and continue in that bitterness and that resentment, it'll drive you crazy. It'll destroy everything around you. Let it go. What are you shooting for apart from the kingdom? You have your own goals? Your own agenda? You better put them at the feet of Jesus Christ. Says, Lord, your will be done, not mine. Jesus says, your kingdom has to go before his kingdom can come. We're supposed to seek first the kingdom. Then all these things will be added unto us. He says, don't be like the Gentiles. They seek all these things first. And it's kind of that. It's been twisted like that, hasn't it, in the church? We say, if you come to Jesus, he'll bless you. He'll give you all this. You'll never have a problem. You, you know, we've made Jesus a genie. We've westernized him. And we've made the Bible and the church a spiritual Disneyland. And we want to be entertained rather than to edify one another. We want to be served rather than to serve one another. And it all has to do with our own lust, our own goals, our own perspective. Solomon brought the head of John the Baptist to Herodias in verses 10 and 11 on the platter. And then in verse 12, John's disciples buried his body. You stand in one of three categories this morning. You're either Herod, a man of lust, and lust is not exclusively for men, women lust too. And things have a hold of you from the physical to the material, from the sexual to the material. And they're ruling your life. And as you keep tracking down that road, if you're not careful, you'll get progressively worse. Being less able to discern the callousness and the destructiveness of your life pattern. Or you stand as John the Baptist, righteous. And being righteous, it costs you. People mock you. They look down on you. They call you a Puritan. They called you unrealistic. But that's okay. It has even cost people's lives. There are people this morning, for the name of Christ, that are being killed around the world. We don't hear about that here in the United States, but it is around the world. Or you might be in the place of Herodias, wicked, manipulative, using people for your own ends, whatever has to be done, and you're real good at it. You're a master. Sometimes you can't even tell that you're putting on the act. And the only thing that's important is that you get your end. There is a true picture of man. The capacities and the heart of man are awesome. They're awesome. 
And so I pray this morning that as we've looked at this passage, you examine these three individuals. Don't separate yourself from these three individuals. Search your life. And you let God deal with you. He wants to make you more like Jesus Christ every day. Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth about commitment. And you can request a copy of today's challenging study from the Gospel of Matthew called Give Me the Head of John. It's available on CD for just $4. And this message contains much more material than we had time to share with you during today's broadcast. The title to ask for once again is Give Me the Head of John, or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for telling us the call letters of this station when you contact us. Is there an excuse for bad behavior? Find out when you tune into the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com